Are Hollywood exorcisms realistic? We discuss this and more with special guest from the Sheen Center, Louis Giovino, on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, the home for creative intellectuals. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, recovering preacher's kid. And with me, as always, is my devilishly dashing co-host, Nathan Clarkson, actor, filmmaker, author, and also Pastor's Kid as well. And yes, I don't know if I've said this, but all the rumors are true about Pastor's Kids. We are hilariously fun and yes, just exactly. a little bit trouble. A little bit. Little Only little just, bit a bit. Yeah. just a small bit. Yeah. Right. And today, we have a very special returning guest. He is the communications manager at the Fulton J. Sheen Center for Thought and Culture a Catholic organization that exists to promote faith and the arts. He is the ultimate in overthinkers, having forgotten more about faith, art, history, and theology than most of us have ever learned. And, and he is a dear friend of this podcast. He is the legendary, the lovely, the loquacious, Louis Giovino. Lou, Hello. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I haven't forgotten anyone. <laughs> Good. Okay. Right. What I'm also to... not a pastor's son. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Obviously, we are realizing Protestant, Protestant versus yes. Catholic here, <laughs> exactly. but there's two of us this time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So there's a billion of us. Go on. <laughs> That's not exaggeration, people. It's actually true. There's a billion Catholics. Awesome. Cool. Anyway, today we are talking about Hollywood exorcisms versus real life exorcisms. Most of us are fairly familiar with exorcisms in Hollywood movies. The classic 1973 horror film The Exorcist is the ninth gro highest grossing film of all time, adjusted for inflation according to Box Office Mojo, and is widely considered the scariest film of all time, spawning multiple sequels and a 2016 television series. Numerous other popular exorcism films have come out since, including The Exorcism of Emily Rose, The Conjuring 1 and 2. However, in the real world, real-life priests across the real-life globe also perform exorcisms on real-life people. Real-life exorcisms have been chronicled by the New York Times, Vice, Christianity Today, The Wall Street Journal, and have been the subject of numerous documentaries, such as The Devil and Father Amorth, made by the director of the classic film The Exorcist, Exorcism, The Battle for Young Minds, and Hostage to the Devil. Whether or not the exorcisms are really exorcising demons is hotly debated, but the fact that exorcisms are regularly being performed is not. Lou, as someone who is familiar with real-life exorcisms and Catholic teaching on the subject, how closely does Hollywood stay to the truth of what real-life exorcisms are like? For, for example, how worried should we be about real-life coffee table projectiles? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> okay. There's, all right. There's a few things here. Good. I love a few First things. of all, First the exorcist is probably the, by far the best one. There's no doubt about it. And you really? have to remember uh, that that book was a hit and that movie was a hit. So, uh, the huge hit at the time oh, yeah. and basically shaped horror films from then on yeah. and scared a lot of people. Um, so William Blatty, who wrote it, uh, he actually went to college with my uncle, uh, class of Ooh. 1950 from Georgetown, and he did base it on, he did do research for and a lot of the different characters were based on real people. Really? And you do, they do follow what happens so that's why it's kind of scary you've had exorcists who will say that now if you want to talk head so, spinning around too they say some things are a little exaggerated <laughs> but in terms of the the battle that happens sometimes uh in these cases now we you want to talk about 
All right, you want? Okay. This is a materialistic world. We have a materialistic philosophy in this world. Wait, what? Once you start <laughs> talking about spiritual things, especially things like demons and angels and exorcisms, it's laughably funny to them because it looks so ridiculous. It this sounds is, like a movie. It sounds like a Marvel yeah, movie. Especially. Yeah, yeah. So th this is the only thing that's going to get them, you know, to think that you're nuts is any of this stuff. When you think about it, that's really I mean, recent. That that ship has sailed for us a long time ago. Yeah, so we're fine. <laughs> no, no, but that that's only recent. So uh, for most of the world's history, when you're talking about this stuff, all cultures believed it. Right. So it was in there somewhere. So now we want to. So you you want to ask? Do these do exorcisms actually exist? Or no, asking like how they're depicted in Hollywood, how they're usually done. Is that you know? Are, is it accurate? Does it just how did it stray from reality? What I mean, way? most and, of it is. And not actually, accurate. I will say, as a resident skeptic here, um, I will Ooh, say, you're a skeptic. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. How does that feel? <laughs> a new title. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I will. I want to know: Do exorcisms actually exist? Because one thing I am not well versed in, and the the research that I've done, I'm still not completely convinced that you know I, I've grown up in the church and I've heard a lot of people talk about demonology and, and spirits and possession, things like this and what they look like, but very rarely have I, one, encountered anything of that sort, um, or two, seen any strong evidence to believe that these kinds of things exist, at least, at the very least, in the way we think of them existing. I've heard a lot of different explanations and not really one congruent teaching or understanding on demons, angels, possessions, and so I think it was interesting when the exorcist came out um, that it was personifying a lot of these things that we had, had heard of, people were scared of. Obviously, I wasn't alive yet. But my dad, actually, <laughs> this was something that was a part of him coming to uh, to be a man of faith. The exorcist was actually, uh, he, he watched the movie and, and that he, he credits as part of one of the things, one of the... Um, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it, it pretty much kind of say that. scared him into <laughs> faith. Um, and this is not me saying, oh, I, 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 everyone's a liar. I just genuinely am curious about possession, demon, the spiritual world, angels, those kinds of things. And these movies, I imagine they are made by Hollywood and they're, they're guessing at best. It's, it's Hollywood. They're not a, a spiritual world. So they see a dollar sign. But I'm wondering how closely these movies come to getting what is claimed that uh, – uh, claims that actually happens. Does that make sense? I, I think that you have to look at the first movie, The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. I think pretty much everything else is junk uh, sure. from that. No, uh, no uh, throwing and, and stuff they were around. Real, the room. I mean, that was done. Um, that was done. It's a very good movie. It's a very scary movie. It's a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was done from William Blatty's book, where he was pretty scrupulous in trying mm -hmm. to follow what was going on and kind of examining something that he was interested in. These things like, look, all this stuff with the demons and all that and angels and all, all of that. I mean, it, it's more exciting. <laughs> this stuff is way more dramatic. It makes uh, for a good movie, but how much of it is It does make for a good movie, but at the fantasy. same time, there were two priests in there. Right. They didn't run, she, she didn't run to get a Baptist minister. No offense to Baptist ministers. Oh, but, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but you go and call. All right. Now, look, I want to talk about this, though. You, uh, yes, this does exist. Not a lot of bishops may be embarrassed to talk about it, but it does exist. But here, I'm going to throw a wet blanket on all of this. Um, I have to give you a quick catechism. So, please, please, yes. So the Catholic, the church sees sacred scripture, sacred tradition are part of what's called the deposit of faith. So 
so you know we can only know God through revelation. So mm-hmm. the church says that at the death of the there's public revelation and there's private revelation. At the death of the last apostle, whoever that was, was the end of public revelation. So Catholics especially, it's they need to they only it's only on them to assent to what is said to what is publicly revealed, like the redemption, the incarnation, you know. Sure. And that also includes angels, demons. I mean, it's clear in scripture. Um, and and there's there's a lot of uh, there's angelology there's demonology I mean we talk about Saint Paul talks about the nine he doesn't say nine choirs thrones dominions powers sure yeah that was taken up Thomas Aquinas talks about the nine choirs of angels you start an angel you go up to archangel goes up to seraphim fine that's all speculation what is defined is there are angels right. and they fell and there are demons and number one that's defined is there is a devil there's an adversary Satan who works in the world and who we battle. So the it's, church... It's everywhere. So I've heard that there is... There's different philosophies out there. One is that... A lot of them. But let's say for the faithful, that the devil is a metaphor for sin nature, for fallenness. You were saying that the church no, teaches... No, he's a person. There, he's an entity, yes. a person. A fallen a, angel who is a person. Who... Uh, I mean, a, a theological person. Uh, in the sense of... It is an entity... Um, sentient entity. S- not sentient... Uh, that was actually there was a correction that was done a few years ago from the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith to say because they removed some prayers that talked about the smell and all that stuff and so but yes he he is Satan exists and he is active in the world and he's his time will end so that's also this is kind of the thing to say at the end of all this but anything beyond public revelation is private revelation and the church never says you need to believe it so for example. You probably know about Marian apparitions. Mary appears in Lourdes sure. or Fatima and all that. That is private revelation. Jesus himself appears. He appears to St. Uh, uh, Margaret Mary for the Sacred Heart. He appeared to St. Faustina for the Divine Mercy. The church will look at it. They'll say, okay, what they give it what's called negative approbation, which means there isn't anything here contrary to faith and morals. Sure. But you don't have to believe it. Yeah. So, so how you does can this... walk out of the scene of the exorcist, yeah. which her head is spinning, and then they come out of her and walk and say, I don't believe it. And you are you're a still Catholic Christian. 100% standard. So you, okay? can, you can disbelieve in all the exorcism things that we see in these things and still be a good Christian. But it does exist. Sure. So, so it's plausible to believe it because I, according so, to our faith. And it, so, yes, what, so there, that's what are, there are, there is a right of exorcism. It was mm-hmm. the last book of the Second Vat- uh, after the Second Vatican Council to be finally revised, mm-hmm. and it was only translated into English in 2017. It's not published because you can only get it from your bishop, and it can only go to a priest who is designated by the bishop to be an exorcist. So, no questions. I, oh, oh, with so many questions. So, so many questions. So, okay, so one. Okay, I, I'm going to go with the the assumption that demons, angels, they aren't metaphorical speak in scripture, and they are real. Uh, and that's what the church teaches. It sounds like you're saying. So does possession, before we even get to exorcism, I'm interested, does possession exist? Is this something that's the... Clearly it does. So Why clearly? We have, because Jesus performed exorcisms. Good point. It's all over the scriptures. That's, that's so, fair. That's, yeah. a good, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard pastors say he was really dealing with mental illness yeah, and they right. just use the word spirit. Come out of him. Who are you, Jesus of Nazareth? Why have you come here, son of David? So aside they from that, are there, are there... Shut up. Come out of him. Are there actual... Um, Encounters, documented encounters of real possession. 
today. Yes, yeah, today and throughout. Yeah. But they would all be in the same league as all the evidence about Lourdes. They're there. Private revelation. You don't have to believe it. But it happens. Now, now if you look at Jesus, he did, he, the devil appeared to him. He was tempted by the devil. Okay? And then as Luke says, I was thinking of this, but then by the time of his death, he's gone. Mel Gibson notwithstanding, although Mel Gibson brilliantly adds him in, you don't see the devil. However, it does say in Luke, the devil then left him until a later time. The later time being, of course, the Passion. He also rebukes Peter and calls him Satan because he was stopping him that. from on the, going on the road. So where's the devil at that point? Well, he's not running around, but at the same time, he is. It, it's like some of the old holograph, some of the old engravings will. They'll show Jesus carrying the cross, and you see all the people screaming at him, and above them you see the demons. Mm. A lot of times you'll see Jesus on the cross. Uh, the church here has it, and the angels will be holding the chalices. So they're going on invisibly while the physical stuff is going sure. on. Now, but how do you gauge all that stuff? Well, we can say an angel appeared to Zechariah, an angel appeared to uh, Mary at the Annunciation. That's uh, encountered that the Satan appeared to. So those are, those are de fide, let's say, revealed things. Anything else from that is you're on your own. Okay, basically, however, 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 Ooh, however, 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 it does exist. So, so my question will be, what's the criteria used to determine if this is an actual exorcism? Okay, so again, there is, there and are there, are there experts, are there priests who specialize in so this? There are, first of all, there's a right, there's an exorcism in, in, there are two types of exorcisms. There's the exorcism that's in baptism. So in the in the liturgy of baptism, there's an exorcism that's performed uh, when a child is baptized, or, yeah, or an adult, which is which goes back to the early church, where they would turn and they would face uh, the west uh, and renounce Satan, then turn to the east because that's where the sun rises uh, to accept Christ. Okay, so yep. that's in there. Yep. There was also there were minor orders before you became a deacon and a priest and a bishop. So there was you were a poor you were a lecture um, an acolyte. One of them was exorcist. It lost its meaning after a time. But so what, what does that symbolize when, when people exercise, a, ki a kid or an adult being, being baptized? What is that actually doing or meaning in the moment? Okay. Because you're casting out the devil. That what is that? There, then there's a, that you're casting the devil out. Here, you know what? Here. Let, let me, let me, let me. Uh, he's got, he's got his phone out to read. So, he's got his phone out so to read the, something. The catechism of the Catholic Church, which was promulgated in the is a compendium, it's called a compendium, of the church's teaching, the, the, the biggest one done since the Council of Trent. So I'm going to pretend I know what compendium is. Everything in there is the church's teaching. So was the hundreds and hundreds of people listening to <laughs> right. so, so everything in there is the church's teaching. There are, okay, so in paragraph 1673, it deals with exorcism. That's one paragraph out of about 10,000 paragraphs. But what's okay? it say? It says, when the church asks and this is very, this is uh, very important. When the church asks publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one mm. and withdrawn from his dominion, it is called exorcism. Exorcism is a Greek word which means to bind by an oath. Very important. Publicly and authoritatively and in the name of Jesus Christ. So the only way to do an exorcism is in Jesus' name. Jesus performed exorcism. Jesus performed exorcisms, and from him the church has received the power and office of exorcising. In a simple form, exorcism is performed at the celebration of baptism. When I 
I just mentioned. The solemn exorcism, but the solemn exorcism called a major exorcism can be performed only by a priest and with the permission of the bishop. Oh, so only by, only a priest can perform an exorcism. Only the priest who gets the permission of the bishop. I see. The priest must proceed with prudence, strictly observing the rules established by the church. Exorcism is directed at the expulsion of demons or to the liberation from demonic possession through the spiritual authority which Jesus entrusted to his church. Illness, especially psychological illness, is a very different matter. Treating this is the concern of medical science. Therefore, before an exorcism is performed, it is important to ascertain that one is dealing with the presence of the evil one and not an illness. So the main part being publicly and authoritatively. Now, in the, the church's canons, which are its laws, which again uh, is the official law of the church, there's one canon about exorcism. It's like 500 about marriage. So one. And it says... But they did think it important enough to put in there. Yes. And it says, no one can perform exorcisms legitimately under the, upon the possessed unless he has obtained special and express, express permission from the local ordinary. The local ordinary is the bishop or the, the person who has ordinary power, which could be also the head of a, uh, of a religious order. The local ordinary, the bishop, is to give this permission only to a presbyter, a priest, who has piety, knowledge, prudence, and integrity of life. Now, this begs the question... This begs the so, question. This was put in in the in the 90s. You said no, no. That canon law it goes back. That can, no. This has been believed since the beginning. Okay. So, so that, but this I, is where it's codified. You're seeing the official version of it again. But it still begs a question. So they thought this important enough to put in canon law, which means they must have experienced then, and as you said a little earlier, that these do happen. They they are experienced now. There, there is are, a right. Exorcism—it's an officially How, promulgated right. Now I have, I have a couple questions, and Joseph, I want to get your questions and thoughts too. <laughs> but, but hold on. But. So my questions are: one, how often does this happen? Is this a regular thing? Is it one? Is it once in you know fifty years? Two, um, I forgot my second question. Well, the one he's just shrugging right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so they, they used to say, I don't know if it's true, but that there was always an exorcist in the diocese. So the bishop would give permission, would give the authority to one priest who would be the diocesan exorcist. And he was the only one, and it was secret because you don't want to go blabbing this about. So if anything So this isn't happened, something they like to you like to advertise. Call. No, they're a little embarrassed about it. But it does go on, and there are famous cases. The one that was done uh, for the exorcist is a famous case from, from Kansas. Right. And that's a real story. It, yeah, more or less. but some were going to say, eh, it's a little crazy, you know. So, but they did, the exorcist kind of follows. She's examined by doctors, and there's nothing psychologically wrong with her, you know. So, you can, there are, it does happen. So, now a lot of the exorcists will also talk, and some of them are a little wacky. It gets a little loony, some of them. Um, but they all kind of say the same thing. And you, there's, the, the, there's the, the, exorcist, the exorcist from Rome, and there's a few official ones in Rome, and they'll say a lot of the activity gets worse. Um, now, now, there's also, why I talked about uh, private revelation, there is a lot of thought on this. So, for example, there are prayers for deliverance. So, uh, in fact, in the new rite of exorcism, the appendix is for regular Christians prayers to fight evil. I mean, we say deliver us from evil, and our Father. Um, invocations of the saints, and he had to help you, and all that jazz. And, you know, 
I mean, you can look. There's there's a there's a uh, book I was looking at for answer deliverance. It's it's it's, it's imprimatur, meaning it's there's nothing contradictory from all. So it says it basically does. And I've heard a lot of people do this. Everything has a spirit. COVID is a spirit. I rebuke the spirit of my athlete's foot. You know, well, that's something we're so, very familiar with in the Protestant yes, church. And there's, I there's have a few strands of charismatic. It's it, it's a charismatic strand in which we. You to in which we we kind of over spiritualize and maybe i'm maybe i'm under spiritualizing but everything everything is oh you have a cough i'm casting that the spirit of cough in you right but but here's the thing so you i very rarely you know you're not going to come across an exorcist an exorcism going on um maybe i don't know i, I mean if it, and they don't publicize it you don't really know you hear little evidence here and there but it is um, a few years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, the CDF, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI, did issue a clarification. Because the bishops and priests will ask questions, clarification that only the priest who is authorized by the bishop can perform the exorcism. No one else, nobody else should even attempt it. They don't want anybody attempting it. Well, there goes my day job. Because, yeah. you, need, because you have to have the power of the of the keys of the said, church, power sure, of the sure. keys, which comes from the bishop. So even and and he specifically also said no meetings where you call on a demon and ask them questions. Apparently, this must be a thing. This is a do not play with fire. In Hollywood, there's a lot of questions yeah. asking. Yes, and and even in this book of Deliverance, which is from the 40s, this priest says he basically says in there, don't try this at home. That's and a good, good policy. To yeah. it, no, which it's, talk about. Now. So my, I mean, getting back to sort of my earlier question, what is the criteria they use to determine whether or not this is a mental illness versus a, a demon possession? That's that's something I've heard very often reflected in criticism towards this movie. I watched a documentary. I can't remember what it's called last night, but it was about um, uh, a priest who who claimed a lot of things and a little bit kind of out there. Yeah. And there was actually exorcisms he claimed he he performed here in New York. Um, and he was actually criticized by other priests because he wasn't, uh, they, they weren't defined as what, I guess a few priests, like it wouldn't be the church on a whole, but the, uh, a few priests have talked about really for an exorcism to take place, if you want to know there's actually a true possession, there has to be speaking in other languages, fear of holy objects and practices, superhuman strength, and hidden unexplained knowledge, maybe about pers something personal about someone in the room they don't know. And so... There is this kind of guide, and they are very careful. And I was glad when you were reading um, kind of the guidelines that they did say mental illness and even drugs or whatever it might be is a different thing. This is not the same thing as possession. So like Joseph asked, what exactly is the criteria that we can say this person is possessed? They don't just have maybe schizophrenia or bipolar or OCD. Well, I think you, you mentioned it. It does say in the catechism it needs to go according to the criteria. I don't know what that is, again, because the, the – of exorcism isn't published. I mean, I'm sure you can find it. Interesting. Um, okay. But huh. I, I think it's, you know, I, it's like in the exorcist. I think you could figure it out. I mean, any priest who's around it or may know about it is going to, I'll know it when I see it. The, there you know? are vi literally video, and who knows, YouTube is great, but there are videos online of exorcisms and they talk in different voices, things like this. I yeah, feel like uh, you would kind of, if this is, you kind of know. a thriving reputation. So it could be all demons. Sure, but that's one of the things. I mean, so there's the um, documentary um, Exorcism is a Battle for Young Minds. I mean, they're one of the things they were debating about. It's like, okay, is this person performing an exorcism or not? Because one of the results is like, okay, they get the exorcism, but then 
they got the problems back again later. Well, was it a priest who had the authority of his bishop? If not, the problem's coming back. And I've heard that too. It comes back. I mean, Jesus says that. When it comes back, it's worse. Then he comes back. You sweep out the house. Then he comes back with all his friends. You know, they talk about legion, all the things that are in the scriptures. And uh, uh, it, it takes a long time to get it out and all that. So whatever, I guess that's all in there. I'm Here's a question. <laughs> I, I have a question for our listeners and for especially our listeners who aren't of faith or who, who are interested in how worried should we be that we could yeah. be possessed? I have faith in Our Lady and my Lord Jesus Christ. So we got Protestants here. It's good you're not worried. <laughs> so are you worried about worried. those Protestants? Then? I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, well, the you one know, of my friends asked, "Is it possible? Can a, a possession just happen, or is it something that you have to leave yourself open for?" I think something? I've heard of. Well, like in in uh, the Ouija board. So, sure. You know. Um, I think you can, but again, in, she's an atheist, so the kid, sure. Linda Blair, is brought up with nothing. I, it does hit, look, plenty of saints have, there's all the stories from the saints, there's all um, constant stories of this. I mean, going back to Martin of Tours, who was who was a 4th century bishop, who was considered like the first non-martyr saint, because all the saints were martyred mm. up to that point, and he, as he was dying, turned into the corner and said, you're not getting me the devil is looking at no one saw it but you're not you've been trying to get me all my life and you'll lose now so these things happen i mean you constantly hear they go on to the desert saint anthony in the desert look that up with all the demons attacking him so this stuff's there i mean if there's angels there's gonna be demons sure yeah you know so but i think that's very interesting but we're in this battle with evil we talk about this present darkness you know so it's all there but if you're gonna say this is now the spirit fornication you know i mean all right fine that's not that's okay Um, it's a good way to see it and perhaps it's true well i think it's it's interesting because like i have a lot of you know friends who and we've talked i've you know i've heard stories people talk about you know they go to other countries and they see stuff that they never see here and in they the can't west. explain. They can't see in the right. West. They can't explain. I mean, there's superstition and there's, sure, and there's no. stuff. But also, it's like it's these. It's not that they believe the stuff over there, and you come over there and say, "Oh, well, I can explain this through mental illness." It's like I come, I'm over here, and I come go over there, and I say, "I've seen stuff I never could explain." Um, and so there is an um, interesting aspect to that of the geographic. Uh, the geographic aspect. I was wondering, is do you have any thoughts on that? No, just to add to that before you answer the question, that was going to be my next question about. I had I had a friend growing up. He was a very dear friend, family friend, and he was a missionary in South America and other places around the country, in developing countries, right uh, around the world in developing countries. And he, you know, he's, he's an American man who traveled these different places, and, and he would live there. It wouldn't just be for a short right. time. And you know who. Who knows? This was not my experience. This was his experience. Again, like you say, private revelation. But the stories he would tell me, the things he encountered in these developing nations, I mean, things like voices coming out of the radio and it turning itself on in the middle of the night, things like people would come up to a, on the street and speak and start threatening him and know things personally about him that he'd never told anyone before. They'd know his name um, and, they would, and they would start cursing him because he was a Christian. And him singing hymns to people who were possessed and them screaming and screaming until a demon was exercised. I don't know. I wasn't there. This is not my experience. But this, you know, this was something I trusted, and I still trust. And he is, and uh, he's, as, to my knowledge, is a good Christian man who is honest. And so, but he's not the only one. I've heard many, many stories of missionaries 
especially in developing countries, sure. not in the West, who have experienced these kinds of things. I've actually been to talk to, they talk about why we don't see oppression or call what you will, in, at least in the same way yeah. in why the West. We? What did they say? <laughs> I can't remember. We have an expert here. I think if you, well, <laughs> we I, said we weren't going to call I'm using, my, <laughs> I'm using my brain. Um, I what, think, why would you say I that? I think is? if you, if you, if you open up, you're going to let it in. Sure. Okay. So sure. if you're rushing around, I mean, Peter Chrysologus, uh, uh, one of my favorite doctors of the church, uh, those who dance, those who jest with the devil won't rejoice with Christ, you know? Sure. And so, what does C.S. Lewis say? Devil won his greatest battle when he convinced the world he did not yeah, exist. Yeah, so he doesn't even, the West. Ah, I don't even need to bother. But, you know, Augustine, St. Augustine said in one of his songs, okay, he said that the, the devil, Jesus defeated the devil with the redemption. But he's still running around, I tell him. And he said, well, he was a rabid dog that Jesus chained up. So if you go near the dog, you're going to get bit. Mm, sure. So he said, the Christian, he said Christians aren't stupid enough. They go around the dog. Sure. So and they so, know that he's chained up. They can go around him. So, so you could argue that maybe perhaps sort of in the West there's a sort of spirit of rationality so people don't kind of go near him in that same way. So, I mean, we could always go, look, look at – Roman Church, Roman Catholic is because it gets the logical faith and reason coming sure. in. Yeah. Everyone comes from all over the world and says, look what happened. And the church is, okay, chill out. Take a look at it. See what it is. Yeah. Okay, it takes years, decades, centuries, okay, to go over this stuff because you're not going to go, because again, private revelation. Now, if you're Russian, you say the incarnation didn't happen, wait, you're heretic. Okay, that's easy. There's what, okay, so we have, um, I mean, we say deliver us from evil and they are father, but you know, there's the St. Michael prayer. So that's very popular. And uh, this was composed by Pope Leo Thirteenth, And he added it to the end of mass. So there were prayers always said at the end of low mass, which is like an everyday mass. He had the Hail Holy Queen and three Hail Marys. And so he, he added all these prayers. One of them was the St. Michael prayer. Of course, gotten rid of in the 60s, immediately expunged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 60s. But, <laughs> this is inside baseball. But, yes, right after here. the yeah. Vatican Council. Um, but, you know, but like Cardinal Dolan, the Archbishop of New York, had asked for it last year. As um, he does. Up, up to St. So Michael's Feast is September 29th. So um, that prayer, supposedly the story is that Le the Pope was saying Mass and he froze. And then he went into his office and he walked out with his prayer. And supposedly that his his secretary said he heard God and Satan talking and Satan saying the 20th century is mine. Leo died in like 1903, so he, he went into wow. the 20th century. The 20th century is mine. Well, so he was 2020 so is any shocked by it. <laughs> well, it's the 20th so, century, not the 21st so, century. Oh, shoot. A lot, <laughs> I'm so a lot of faithful Catholics no, will, uh, you know, the St. Michael, I will recite it for you. St. Michael, Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, through the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits wow. who prowl throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. He should say, Sacred Heart of Jesus, have That's mercy. A beautiful prayer. So, yeah, anyone, Michael, it's too many, Saint Michael rather than Jesus. That's but, true. You're asking Michael, well, he's the defender I'm, I'm, of the church. That's a whole different podcast. I, 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 I had to do the joke. But he up. throws the devil out. Yeah. He throws yes. this, the dragon out of heaven. Yeah. When Jesus in Revelation, 
Okay? So, it is, it is your scriptural. Prayer does say you're, take, you're taking the joke too literally. Through the power of God. Okay? I thought of that because of you guys. <laughs> for some reason, you can talk to... You make you guys think you can talk to demons, but you can't talk to saints and angels. See, that I, is it. I personally okay. don't try to talk All to right. demons. No, no, but that, that is actually a good point. Now, this is interesting because I want to bring this up real We're quick. We're going to have the whole Reformation yeah. just on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the follow-up. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but that, that's interesting. First of all, great point yeah. that a lot of Christians do think that you can interact with demons, but apparently not saints. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also say um, I a lot of what you see in the movies now, um, even if it's not necessarily about an exorcism, it's about Ouija boards. It's about spooky things going on. Yeah, sure. that's Specifically in the, the Conjuring, it's about an actual couple who worked with the Catholic Church, I believe in the 70s. Yeah. And it was about them going to homes and blessing the homes, uh, ridding them from demons, ridding objects from... Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. And so... The thing is, I, I'm a skeptic. I don't know. I'm still open-minded. I want to see, look at evidence. Um, but it's interesting. I do have stories, because you were talking a little bit earlier about if you go near the, the dog, you're going to get bit. And it's funny because um, I, I have a friend. He, he was not um, a Christian. He was not a believer. He, he was, a, for the most, most part, he was an atheist. And for fun, he decided to play with Ouija boards. And he came to me one day and says, I have been talking to people. And so what do you mean? He goes, well, I, I play with the Ouija board every night and I'm talking to people. And who knows? I, you know, this is, um, this is, he was a kid I knew in LA, but he was talking with people after doing the Ouija board. And that's not the only story like this I've heard. I've heard this from many, many people and I'm still trying to remain a skeptic. But when you hear this kind of thing, when people play with fire, um, at least the fire that um, the church talks about, it is interesting to me how often you hear the story following things happen. It's not just a piece of wood. It's not just a waste of time. Because a lot of times I'll look at scripture and be like, I think he doesn't want to do this stuff because it's a waste of time to extract from him. But it looks like there actually might be There's negative power. Yeah. There might, and so I don't know. These are not my experiences, but I have heard a lot of them. And I have, it's I have no comment on Ouija boards. Although I've heard that. I, all you hear is stories around sure. that. Um, no comment. I don't, that I don't get. I mean, look, it's, there's more things in heaven and earth that have thought of been the philosophy ratio. Okay, from, That's from good. Hamlet, yeah. you know, but, you know, but like the St. Michael prayer, I, there were plenty of, I'm sure the listeners who were Catholic, who, and if not, I, I highly recommend it, who will, <laughs> who will say they're scared and it's, it's happened to me. I feel, you feel a little oppressed. You feel scared. Something scares you. You say the St. Michael prayer and boom, it's gone. Sure. All right. And, and this, I don't know if I should say this out loud. Sometimes it's very difficult to say it. Mm. In fact, just as I was saying it, it was it got hard to say. Mm. I don't know if I can describe that. This is me, but a lot of people will say it's hard to get through it. Fascinating. You get stopped. This is this is one of the things I think is interesting. Sort of as as a as a as a movie guy, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me about The Exorcist is it came out, you know, about around the same time as sort of other movies that we're all dealing with the same thing, which is that there's an ancient power yeah. that we are is lost in our time that we no longer have access to and yet we need yeah, it. So we have I mean like you have you have the Exorcist came out around the same time as Star Wars, which you know also you have the Indiana Jones. And you know, you have and those are all late seventies or not the early seventies. No, you know, it's it's still still but that was a time when we were 
kind of cut off from our heritage mm. and that those incredibly popular movies that capture people's imaginations. Which were imagination, popular books. Which the short, book was popular. Okay, sure. But the ways that they changed the conversation, I'll get to just a moment while I finish my sentence. <laughs> How Nathan Clark's over We have to raise our hands. hands. Yeah. <laughs> Since when? Well, I was homeschooled, so. Oh, okay, fair enough. With a bit of like family. But, but there was something at that time that was causing, that people were saying, we were cut off from this whole other way of understanding the world that can explain aspects of the world that we can't explain that we need in order to face daily life. And, you know, the exorcist showed faith and religion and battling with demons as being a part of that. And of course, Star Wars is metaphorical with the force, but then you also have the Ark of the Covenant. And so that's a fascinating aspect to me that we're still trying to do this through our stories. Got it. Like the exorcist, why did it convert the dead? And you're like, why? You know, it, it, well, this it's is, funny. I'm just thinking it was a faith-based movie. Yeah, really, this yeah. is <laughs> true. technically the exorcist was a faith-based movie and one of the highest person of all time he sacrifices yes. himself so this is this is a, a, on this podcast Spoiler. we talked often about the things that we want the things that we desire the things that we look for even in movies and in books are indicative of how we were made and what we were made to want we talk about this a lot right and so i think when you look at a movie like the exorcist coming at a time this is right after the hippie movement this is right during yeah. a lot of war and like you said this is uh again i'm gonna get this wrong but the modern and postmodern movements here we can rid yeah. of all the old things we're dis- uh, um, disillusioned with religion and then comes this movie and it blows up and so you had this whole generation of people who kind of rejected uh, or, or really born they after. They down on the materials. Exactly. And you have, and all of a sudden, they are looking, like you said, at these movies that talk about truth and good and evil and dark and light fighting each other. And so it's interesting to me to think about my dad watching this movie. Yeah. And, you know, he's in college, I believe, when he saw it. And it, it's something in it touched him and resonated with something he was looking for. And I think a lot of these movies, like you said, personify what we feel inside of us that there is a light in the dark. We see this in the world. We see this inside of ourselves. There's a light in the dark fighting. I think a movie like The Exorcist gets even closer, more pinpoint to exactly what we're interested in. And it's ultimately, is there a God and can he overcome the evil in the world? And I think The Exorcist, while a fun, entertaining horror movie, was also more meaningful at the time than probably even it knew. Yeah. Um, because it was dealing with reality of spirits and good and evil and darkness and light. So that, that is interesting to me, how you see, even since The Exorcist, over and over again, even today in the past few years, our horror movies still center around demon possession and the church and angels and demons. And this isn't a post-God world. So that really does blow my mind. It's really interesting. It really does show me that humans are still interested in longing for a knowledge our, about the unseen modern world. materialist world does not have the language with which to talk about the breadth of human experience. That's right. And, and I, as a Christian, believe that Christianity has the best way to talk about the breadth of human experience. Because it's, it's, it is it. It's true. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the true myth. But it's but but they've had that's partly the explosion of blockbuster movies and superhero movies and all these things. We need these to create these narratives that are actually able to talk about uh, the human experience in ways that a meaningless universe doesn't. And that the Exorcist was part of a trend of revival of those kind of stories. Now the last word goes. Very, you've been very patient. So you can speak now. Last word goes to Lou. Last word. Well, it doesn't mean we're we're, we're kind of towards the end of it. I uh, I think that I don't. uh, So I think with something like The Exorcist, where you have something that's unexplained, is what's the horror. I mean, that's what what a horror movie is, Mm -hmm. and and that what the heck is going on, and and that 
um, that uh, that type that type of thing is what adds to the horror of it, you know. Yeah. Um, and that had been so so completely thrown out, but I'm sure at the time there were bishops who were embarrassed by it, you know. Um, I do think. I mean, if you look at if you look at the I mean, a lot of the instructions or the things that are there are just don't, again, don't try this at home, but also don't get involved in this. You don't need to get involved in this. Sure. Uh, it's like it's like a Saruman with the Palantir. The longer you look into it, the more it corrupted him. Ooh, we got a Lord of the Rings reference. So, yeah. but, but Tolkien was Catholic. He was, you know, and he, he references this too because Theoden is possessed. So that's all in there, Mordor, the whole yeah. idea of evil, but in a very very um, intellectual, a very smart right. way, this stuff has become kitschy and, and, and schlocky, uh, I guess just no. like anything else. <laughs> Entertainment has I mean, become I kitschy think, and slocky. Well, I mean, these things like in The Exorcist and all that has been, even in, within that movie. Um, but, I, you know... People use it because they know it's powerful and it works. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's dramatic. Yeah, I, and I, I it think works. Any type of wrestling with the devil like that yeah. is really... Look, I don't... I don't want to say this, but you know, I don't know if I need that. I have, I give the devil plenty of opportunities myself on sure. my own, okay, without any uh, extra help. But you know, every day, deliver us from evil. You know, so this yeah. is all in there. We we do wrestle with the you know uh, these world. things. You know, yeah. So it is there, and it's interesting also that when with when you hear these exorcists again, private revelation, they all sort of say the same thing. One thing is that they respect authority. They have a hierarchy, and so when the lower angel, the lower demon ain't do it, they go to a higher angel, the higher demon to do it, and they therefore respect that. Thus, the priest needs to have the authority of the bishop, so they respect authority. That's why they have the power to cast them out, because they have been construed that way. Remember, it ends for them. They know they lose. Mm. They know they lose. Another thing, and the exorcist will always say, is this: the devil and the demons are scared and hate Mary because Eve fell. The devil got her, couldn't get her. So, and it's referenced in, um, it's referenced in the Passion of the Christ. So with that, demons lose and they're scared of Jesus and his mom. So <laughs> do not fear. Uh, God has won and we're going to move now into our favorite at least my favorite okay. part of the podcast. I was going to say, hey, don't do public revelation. Your <laughs> yeah. private revelation. This is my private revelation of my very favorite part of the podcast, which is Blesses and Curses. Today we're talking about demons uh, and specifically spiritual spiritual art that deals with demons and angels, uh, angels and, and, and principalities. Sure, so, something on theme. Yeah, so, theme. I am, uh, so I have mine. You Joseph have your, and Lou, do you have your Blesses and Curses for the week? Why don't you come to me last? All right. <laughs> yes. So you can think about that while I will doing start yeah, because please. I because would you start Nathan? Well, I hate to say this. I don't hate to say this. You don't. Well. You know. Um, but I do really love scary movies. I've always liked scary movies. No. And so I have a plethora of them to pick from. But before I do my the movie, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna do recent ones actually. I'm gonna talk about a great book that deals with demons. And I think screw tape letters. Is a oh. fantastic book that everyone should read. It's a reformative Good classic. In My Young Faith, it's literally about an older demon speaking to a younger demon and telling him essentially how to corrupt a, uh, a man of faith, which is really interesting. So it's a great book, very funny, witty, um, and uh, that's by C.S. Lewis, yeah, who is been, always good. Yes, who is, who is an angel? 
<laughs> you got your Tolkien. Yeah. So we had to, um, and then as far as movies, I really liked in the past little while, especially ones who deal with this kind of issue. I really liked The Conjuring. I agree. I thought it was um, aesthetically very well done. I yeah. love um, the actor, many of the actors in it. Uh, it was very uh, well paced, well written, yeah. and it was the camera work is excellent, especially in oh, it's, it's a gorgeous. It's not just a, a horror flick; it's a gorgeous kind of piece of art, and yeah. kind of a love story between the husband and wife. It's very, yeah. but I think all of that, all of the good um, aspects of what makes a good movie, relationships, uh, the aesthetic, made it even more impactful. Right, um, and this is coming from someone who doesn't know what I think about all the demons and angels, and, and I was scared at the end of this movie. I've seen a lot of scary movies, and this one genuinely, like, oh wow, there's. It, it, it shook me a little bit. So that one was uh, really yeah. good. And also there's one by Scott Derrickson that came out a while ago uh, yeah. that I enjoyed and it's called Deliver Us From Evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I really want to hear that. I enjoyed it. Okay. And I don't know how many other people did. I enjoyed it. A lot of people did not. So Joseph, oh, and, and my uh, curses, before I hear your yeah. take on this, my curses are pretty much a lot of the horror movies that use Catholic and demon and angel imagery. Um, just for a buck and have no interest in making authentic or um, uh, or even consulting uh, or honoring the 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 understanding and tradition that we understand about it. So uh, there's a lot of those. And if you were someone who makes a horror movie and just throws in, want to give a name? Want to give a name? I'm really scared too. But you know, I don't think like the right. Yes, um, that was what was right. in my head. It's just <laughs> it's Anthony Hopkins, and it's just they just kind of. They, they use it as a it, it's yeah. like a something they had no connection to and understanding about yeah. they just want to use it and see if they can um yeah. uh, it's like they stole someone's shirt to yeah. look nice and and it just didn't fit well um so that yes. is, those are my blessings and curses joseph so, first of all yeah. what yes. didn't you like or did you like so deliverance from evil is going to be my curse of the week really <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is the first time for us this is this is exciting no i'll start out with a blast because because that give you something to look forward to um, I, I, I was going to do a Conjuring movies, um, but then, uh, as my bless, and for all those reasons, so very, very I, much. I stole you stole bless. And your curse. Yes. But so you can curse my bless. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think I'm going to actually go for the exorcist as my bless in terms of, cause it's so it, good. I don't know. That's, that's easy, but he stole my bless. Um, and it, no, it's, it's really good. I mean, cause it is again, the story of the of of actual priests who themselves some of them don't actually believe in exorcism at first mm. like the story is about actually a modern day priest who doesn't believe in demons mm. and then actually comes to be fighting one of the demons themselves and so like for me this is a very a story about the before he could be made a bishop yeah exactly um really that's not being sarcastic Oh, <laughs> plenty I, of priests. Who I was too. <laughs> before he could, you know, before he could really do some harm. By the way, if you can't tell uh, already, we are all friends. <laughs> <laughs> Lou is hey, our guest, and that's a public revelation. Yeah, that's a public <laughs> revelation. We're all friends. <laughs> oh, Lou is not wait, wait, happy you, with my. Wait, one so, of the things is making light of holy things. So. Oh, oh, really? You know, friendship. Who's making light of anything? No, no I, I just said about public, public revelation. revelation. Is public revelation the concept holy? Of course. Well, I'm using a small a R. Well, one of the other, one of the other things is not having a sense of humor. So, oh, first thing out the door. Moving on. <laughs> um, so, because I might have to get an exorcism yeah, on me fairly soon. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that and being able to actually to transform, you're saying we do have to have access to 
um, the fullness of, of, of God and truth in order to actually combat the real evil that's out there. I really like that uh, in The Exorcist. My curse is deliver us from evil. Okay, let's hear it. Lay it on me. I think that if somebody, if you can manage to take a story about a cop teaming up with a hard-drinking exorcist to battle demons and somehow make it boring, it wasn't boring. That's your fault. It was so boring. It had Joel McHale in it. it. And somehow even that was boring. It had what's-her-name in it. What was it like? And somehow she was boring. Okay, you wrong, everyone. Go watch it. Watch it and you'll see I'm right. And actually, let's have a vote. Please send us all your messages and let me know how right I am. <laughs> and, you know, it just be be nice to Nathan. You know, he has a very fragile ego. Um, <laughs> anyway, cool. Well, uh, then how about you, Lou? What is a celeste or curse of end slash or curse of the week in some from, form of art? From exorcisms? Exorcisms. Demons. Angels. Yes. Yeah, you're talking about movies. Well, it, it, it doesn't anything. have to be just movies. Books. Art. Um, is there... Is there a ghost? I mean, I I is there a great piece of art? Another podcast on ghosts and also about the devil himself. Yes, yes, yes. We talked about exorcism, which is demons, but there's a lot of stuff about the the devil. We will have you back up. We will have you back up. Ghosts. So, well, then I'll save my ghost one. Yeah, (laughs) save your ghost one. How about a piece? You are the art expert. How about a piece of art? Well, I there's Hieronymus Bosch's The Temptation of Saint Anthony. Mm. Which is one? Take a look at that. It's three panels of of of, of Grand Gungal horror show, um, which I had put on the posters at the Sheen Center just because it looks so cool. Uh, but it's all the demons everywhere behind. But it, it's they're behind everything. You can see it in a lot of the art. And in the yeah. last in wow. the the, uh, the last uh, judgment of Michelangelo, they're behind everybody grabbing. You know, but the one guy who has his rosary who gets pulled up out of hell. Okay, you know. Um, I will point. Uh, so I mean, The Exorcist is probably the best. Um, I think everything else is schlock. Um, <laughs> I also think that it doesn't help, and I think it gets you thinking about stuff that you really shouldn't be thinking about. Uh, just you know, say your prayers, <laughs> go to mass. I will also, but I will finally point out that the Satanists, because there are Satanists, yeah, um, and usually in these exorcisms, they do not send for the Presbyterian minister. They send for the Catholic now. If priest. T. Keller shows up, and he would say, "Get a priest." Uh, uh, <clears throat> I will point out also that things like sacramentals. By the way, this is where they talk about exorcism and the, the under sacramentals, holy water, crosses, all that jazz. Things that are blessed. Okay, the churches aren't haunted. You don't see haunted churches. I will point out there is that the Satanists don't have black Bible study. They also don't have black Hillsong. They have black mass. Oh. Because the devil perverts, as Lewis says in Perilander. The devil can only imitate and pervert, but they go straight for that stuff. Also, Lewis, Lewis Anglican. It's also Anglo-Catholic. I've done one or two like ribs to the Catholic Church. Like, you've made every opportunity to be like, <laughs> hey, here's why we're the best. I do, though, I do know that Lutherans, and they do have forms of exorcism, too, because they're not stupid. So... Uh, <laughs> all that stuff is in there. Is but all of us not a nominational. Yeah, but I'll just... go to the power of the keys, okay? <laughs> that's totally fine. Okay, that's, so that's, 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 that's sufficient. Wait, oh, that was your curse. You know, you know. Yeah. Do you have any art you want to curse? The, the curse is that there are curses. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. okay. We're talking about exorcisms. You know, angels appear too. There are angelic visitations as well. Yes. So, you know, uh, I'll leave you with this. My brother gave us all knives for... Uh, uh, when I was when we got married, so we all got wedding knives. 
Oops. So in the sacristy before, <laughs> the sacristy is, is where you prepare to go, before his, his nuptial mass, he asked the priest to bless it. And the bless, he hesitated a little. He's like, all right. So he blessed it. But then he said, but if you use this for anything evil, it'll then become a curse. Mm. And that was the priest speaking. But we all, my brother was taken aback. And the priest said, if you can bless, you can curse. Wow. And with that, yes. Well, thank you all for joining us for one of our very, very uh, informative episodes. This is fun. And yeah. um, I feel like I oh, know yes. more. I'm still a skeptic. But I am now interested in going to do more research. So, Nathan, if people want to get in touch with you to talk to you about their skepticism, what they, should they do? They can get in touch with me and tell me all the ways I'm wrong or should believe uh, on social media, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. Just um, type in my name, Nathan Clarkson. You can also get a hold of me on my website, nathanclarkson.me. Joseph, where can people find you? You can find me on all the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And also, you can find me at my website, josephholmstudios.com. And also... We have our very special uh, uh, Facebook, private Facebook group. Yes, we're having a lot of fun in the Overthinkers Online. It's a private little Facebook group where we pose these questions and you can interact with other people, other overthinkers. And we're on there all the time posting interesting articles, fun memes, and great discussions. So please join the group. It really is a blast. People are having a lot of fun. Uh, just search The Overthinkers on Facebook. You can also get a hold of us on our website at theoverthinkersjournal.com. Send us all your messages, comments, and complaints. Uh, we will delete the complaints. Um, uh, but we have, we have a lot. We're going to have more and more stuff on there, uh, reviews, interviews, and you can learn more about the podcast and who we are. Um, and please, if you enjoy this, Please share this with a friend, this podcast, yes. uh, and leave a review. Leaving a review really, really does help us a lot. It helps us get the word out more and gets us to find more people and eyes who are interested in talking about these things. So please leave a review. Please share it with your friend. And please send us a message. We love hearing from you. And join the Facebook Overthinkers group. Now, Lou, is there any place where you want people to find you? You. They can call you. And then <laughs> so call me, and I will send it to Lou. <laughs> but I am at the Sheen Center for Thought and Culture in New York, sheencenter.org. I, uh, everything I said here has nothing to do with my employment. Trust me. It's <laughs> <laughs> only me and my and my authority as a I don't know what I am as, as someone who studied theology. An intellect. Uh, we, we, yeah. By the way, we never talk about this stuff ever, ever. Well, thank so, you for talking about it with us. This is yeah, fun. We feel very. And, and by the way, I will do a quick plug for the Sheen Center. Yes. I've been going to their shows uh, live, and they have great online content right now. For many, many years, this place is a bastion of thought and culture where there's this intersection of faith and art. And there's so few places, aside from this podcast, like that <laughs> out there. Please check out their website. And if you are in New York, please look up one of their shows as long as we're not in lockdown. It is really a wonderful, beautiful place to go. So please check out the Sheen Center. Awesome. Yes, I totally agree with all of those things. And Joseph, get us out of here. Cool. Well, thank you very much, everyone. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. <laughs>